Insightful Thinkers podcast. For all of human history before 1800, there was no upward trend in income per person. So the entire span of human history was caught in something of a Malthusian trap. The Malthusian trap is the idea that there must be a stage at which food supply is inadequate for feeding the population because population growth will always outpace agricultural growth. This is an idea by Thomas Malthus in 1798. This is his exact quote. He says, The power of population is always greater than the power in the earth to produce substance for the population. So according to Malthus's theory, societies will constantly face existential threat due to possible starvation on the horizon. So that means that for all of human history, before 1800, before the Industrial Revolution, really, this trap seemed to be taking place because humans, they couldn't really accumulate resources at a fast enough rate for societies to grow in any way. Um, so that for everyone up until 1800, conditions were hardly better than the conditions even the earliest humans faced in Africa. The Industrial Revolution, roughly 1770 to 1850, was the turning point in the world. Uh, this is when the, area, the era of sustained economic growth was initiated, and we're still seeing this sustained growth today. In a way, the Industrial Revolution represents the greatest event of world economic history because it birthed the modern world as we know it. For the YouTube viewers, I'll show a, a graph here showing kind of what we're talking about here. The world, it's the history of world economic growth. And up until that, what it looks like here is around that, the 1800 mark, uh, there was no real economic growth. It, it was completely flat. But right at the start of the Industrial Revolution, it just started to spike exponentially. Why did the Industrial Revolution spark this economic growth so quickly? Um, and, and why did it happen in Britain? So part of the reason was, was this technological change. And it was the motor of the Industrial Revolution, really. There were inventions like the steam engine, machines to spin and weave cotton, uh, new inventions for smelting and refining iron and steel, using coal instead of wood. There were machines for increasing productivity of hat, pins, and nail making, and a range of new products like porcelain. The list goes on and on of, of things that were produced in the Industrial Revolution. But as I mentioned, the puzzle that we're trying to get at today is why did it occur only around 1800? And why did it, why did it occur in Britain? It, Britain was nothing but a very modest island nation at the time. This is what we're going to try to figure out today. We're going to try to get into the weeds of the Industrial Revolution. All credit to the sources of this episode would not be possible without these two tremendous books. We've got Allen 2020, The Industrial Revolution. Uh, and then we've actually, it's a chapter inside Global Economic History, a very short introduction. And then we have Clark 2014, The Industrial Revolution from Handbook of Economic Growth. Let's start by debunking some misconceptions about the Industrial Revolution. The term Industrial Revolution, it, it is somewhat imprecise because this revolution 
has no clear beginning or end. There was no qualitative shift from pre-industrial to post-industrial society because the events of the revolution had been on the horizon due to mounting industrial, commercial, and technological activity starting way back in the year 1000. So it was on the horizon, but it, it really just reached a, reached a boiling point in 1770 there. Another misconception of the Industrial Revolution is that all the effects just started to take place right away. Well, in reality, the effects didn't really take place all at once, or even in the 80 or so year period that the Industrial Revolution was happening. GDP wasn't rising at a very rapid rate throughout the Industrial Revolution. The rate of economic growth achieved in the century after 1760, so the time of the Industrial Revolution, was actually only 1.5% per year. This is relatively low by the standards of recent years where England's GDP has grown as much as 8-10% to 10 per year. The reason for this low growth during the Industrial Revolution is that Britain was continuously extending the world's technology frontier. And that's always going to be slower than catching up to the leader just by importing its technology constantly. They were really on the forefront and they were the creators of this new technology. So that's why this economic growth wasn't happening right away. But this is really what leads to uh, sustained growth and future growth potential rather than this, this fast, rapid, unsustainable growth. And that's what Britain was doing during the Industrial Revolution. The great achievement of the British Industrial Revolution was not that it led to rapid growth immediately, but that it led to sustained growth, allowing income to be compounded, leading to the mass prosperity of today. So let's start off. We're, we're going to get into why it happened in Britain, but we're going to start with the general causes, just why it happened generally. Why did we just see this spike in industry all of a sudden? Well, major economic changes were spurred by Western Europe's uh, tremendous population growth during the 18th century. This population growth also extended well into the 19th too. Between 1750 and 1800, you see right around when this Industrial Revolution was starting, the populations of many countries increased between 50 and 100%. This was due to the use of new food crops, such as the potato, and a temporary decline in epidemic disease. So population growth of such a large magnitude is going to compel some type of a change. Uh, industry practices change, there are more people, more innovations, and these th things just start to spread and grow. So this is one general cause. There's also the societal factors that led to the Industrial Revolution. So the levels of literacy and numeracy were high by the standards of the pre-industrial world. Even great civilizations of the past, you look at the Roman Empire, you look at the city-states of the Italian Renaissance, had levels of literacy and numeracy far lower than Britain's during the Industrial Revolution. Urbanization and the growth of commerce encouraged this spread of literacy and numeracy by increasing the value of having these things. So the more commerce is growing, the more it's valuable to to know how to count, know how to read. Um, as the world changes, you kind of need, education kind of needs to follow along. So by the 18th century, most sons of craftsmen, artisans, shopkeepers, farmers, 
received several years of primary education. Even many girls were, were being schooled too at this time. So this led ultimately to a more rapid rate of information transmission. There's more people who can read, you can communicate knowledge more easily. One person might be inventing this first idea of, of the steam engine, and then it can be read and understood by another person and they can build on that. Look at us right now in this information age where you're listening to this, this information, this knowledge that is coming from knowledge that I obtained uh, from books without even having to leave my house and go to a library and then and, and copy down the notes. I, I just can, I can copy and paste. I can, I can just type it all right into my, into my document and then share it with you guys, share it with the world. So the more, and you guys can, and I can read so I can understand this and, and it's more easily shared. So this increased uh, knowledge transmission can lead to innovation. This is what was happening in the Industrial Revolution. It leads to more ideas, more people who can access knowledge. Uh, so these ideas start to spread and then innovation is more likely to happen. So this, liter this is what literacy does. If you can read, you can understand. If you can understand, you can create. Now, what are the specific reasons that occurred in Britain and not anywhere else? This, this is a lowly uh, island nation at the time, as, as I mentioned. So really, the connection they had with science was a big factor. So many people were connected to the scientific happenings of the Enlightenment through networks that diffuse knowledge across, across British society, in particular by way of the Royal Society. So the Royal Society was privy to the new happenings in science that they're, they're just coming off the shoulders of the Enlightenment. We talked about that in a, in a two-parter a few weeks ago, maybe, maybe a, a month or two ago. Um, and, and these scientific breakthroughs, the Royal Society of Britain, they, uh, a lot of British people understood these happenings and they knew it was happening in science. So they had this information to use to create these types of machines. This made Britain uh, more technologically creative because they had this close connection with what was happening during the Enlightenment, particularly on the scientific side. The Industrial Revolution was therefore sustained by the emerging scientific culture. The scientific revolution of the 17th century led to a handful of discoveries that were then applied by inventors in the 18th. So this is how science leads to invention. We're going to talk about how it also goes the other way around too, where these inventions that were created during the Industrial Revolution fed back into science. And it's like a cycle. It's a cycle of innovation that's gotten us to where we are today. This is why I like these history concepts. Like we're doing the revolutions, by the way, <laughs> this month, agricultural, industrial, and it really gives you insight into how we got to where we are today. And in the modern world, civilization, I see, a, I see city buildings all around me as I record this. How did we get to this point? These, these are the revolutions that kind of got us here. Talking about the steam engine in particular, the steam engine was huge for, uh, for the, the, the revolution in Britain and the use of the steam engine. And because it was profitable to use the steam engine in Britain, uh, these are all factors that kind of led Britain to be the hub of the revolution. So let's talk about this here. The steam engine was the most transformative technology of the industrial revolution. 
because it allowed mechanical power to be used in a wide range of industries as well as in railways and ships. Steam power was a spin, a total spin-off of the scientific revolution when you really look at it. So atmospheric pressure was one of the hot topics of 17th century physics. It was investigated by famous scientists all across Europe. You look at Galileo, you look at Boyle. These people were investigating atmospheric pressure. And by the middle of the 17th century, they found that the pressure of the atmosphere could force a piston into a cylinder if a, vac if a vacuum was created inside. In 1675, Papin made a crude steam engine and then Newcomen then made a more practical steam engine in 1712. How does this apply to Britain, you might be asking? These are just, uh, these are inventions that aren't, aren't uh, designated specifically to Britain. These are European inventions and European people who are doing these things, not just British people. Without a doubt, the steam and the science of the engine was pan-European. However, tinkering was what was conducted in Britain. Why was tinkering conducted in Britain? Well, Britain was the only place where it was profitable to use the engine on such a large scale. The main use of the engine was to drain mines. And it just so happened that Britain had the largest mining industry in Europe since, to its, since it had such a large coal industry. The engine also used prodigious amounts of fuel and the many coal mines offered cheap fuel. So despite the scientific breakthroughs, the steam engine actually would not have been developed had the British coal industry not existed. This kind of speaks to the combination of, of all the factors that are needed to start such a, a revolution. If you're going to start a revolution, it can't just be one person, or, or perhaps it is. We might find that in, in when we do research on other revolutions, but it, it usually doesn't just start with one event. There's a combination of so many specific things that take place for an entire revolution to happen. If it weren't for the coal industry, it wouldn't have been profitable to use these huge steam engines in Britain, and, and there would be no uh, value in tinkering, in, in these inventors tinkering with the design and trying to make it better because they wouldn't have any use for it. Look at just last episode, kind of speaking to this idea of so many, uh, so many factors needed to, to spark a revolution. We talked about how the change in climate uh, created the agricultural revolution in a way, but it also had to go hand in hand with one, the evolutionary development of the human brain, because there were past times in history when the climate changed, but they couldn't take advantage of it and they couldn't grow crops because our, we weren't advanced enough. Our brains were not evolutionary advanced to the point of being able to even create uh, or perform agriculture. It also had to go hand in hand with population growth that was happening at the time before uh, people could be sustained just by hunting and gathering, but population started to grow. They perhaps needed to turn to other mechanisms for food production. So there's a lot of factors that go into a revolution happening. Such was the case in the Industrial Revolution. The final factor of why it occurred in Britain is because of the high wage, low energy prices uh, in Britain at the time. The growth in trade opened new markets for British products. This created an expansion of production and commerce, leading to unusually high wages and cheap energy in Britain. Britain, especially on the coal fields in the north and in the Midlands, had the cheapest energy in the world. As a result of 
this cheap energy and also high wages too. Businesses in Britain found it more profitable to use technology because technology saved on this expense of human labor. Uh, and it also, at the same time, was using this cheap energy that they were getting from, from the coal mines there. So they, they said, why not use these steam engines? And it, it made people want to tinker with it because these steam engines were very useful in, in that place of, of, of uh, high wages and low energy prices that, that was Britain at the time. So the machines used in Britain during the Industrial Revolution allowed people to save on labor costs. Nowhere else in the world were these machines so profitable to use. And this is why the Industrial Revolution was British. We could stop the episode here, but we're going we're gonna to get into the weeds a little more. We're going to talk about, uh, first of all, how science also profited off of the Industrial Revolution too, uh, just as it spawned the Industrial Revolution. And then also how the innovations that started in Britain started to spread across the world. So how did science profit from the Industrial Revolution? Well, the steam engine actually led to the creation of thermodynamics by triggering the search for a theory of steam power. It makes these inventions, they make people curious, not just the inventors who are tinkering with that exact invention, but also the scientists. And then they looked for a theory of steam power and this created thermodynamics or at least it played a role in the creation of thermodynamics further as industry required ever more complicated machinery not only were more advanced machine tools created for the industrial revolution but also more refined instruments that could be used in science too much of the telescope technology owes itself to 19th century industry if it weren't for the industrial revolution these types of technologies would not have advanced the telescope in a significant way. How did these technologies that were getting created in the Industrial Revolution start to spread across the world? Well, technology, it started to generalize. And in the late 19th century, engineers extended the 18th century mechanical inventions all across the board. So the steam engine began to be applied to transportation with the invention of the railway and the steamship and power-driven machinery, whose use was initially restricted to textile mills, was now applied to the industry more generally. So technology now becomes generalized for more purposes. The continuing spread of innovation was perhaps the greatest achievement of the Industrial Revolution, as, as I kind of mentioned. The inventions during that time, for once, were not just one-offs, like all the achievements of earlier centuries, where nothing gets built upon these things. Thus, there was no industrial revolution before this. And for the YouTube viewers, the graph, we're in the Malthusian trap for all of history. There's no economic growth. And then the industrial revolution spikes it, spikes the, the economic growth immediately. So this is the biggest effect of, of the in, industrial revolution, the continuing spread of innovation that it created. It allowed the economies to continue this growth on a on an extremely steep upward trajectory steam power is an example of a general purpose technology that can uh, foster these continuing inventions it's it's a technology that can be applied to a variety of uses for instance you look at electricity electricity is powering the lights in front of the camera and it's also powering the camera the mic the computer over there you get the point and computers too they they can uh 
be applied to a variety of uses. This is what steam power is. The thing is about these general purpose technologies is that it takes decades to develop the potential of these general purpose technologies. At first when computers were created, I don't know the history of this, we're probably never going to do an episode on this, so I'll never learn the history of this, but what computers were originally created for, I don't know what it was, but it was only one purpose. And now computers are used to send people to the moon and to record this podcast and to listen to the podcast if you're listening on your phone. It's the same computer chip. So, But it takes years and years to develop, to fully kind of squeeze all the juice out of a general purpose technology. And this is what was happening with the steam engine. Contribution of of these general purpose technologies uh, to economic growth takes place long after their invention. And this explains the modest economic growth that was happening during the Industrial Revolution that we talked about. As late as 1800, almost a century after Newcomen's, Newcomen's steam engine was like the breakthrough one that was actually very usable. As late as 1800, almost a century after this steam engine was invented, steam power made only a minute contribution to the British economy. By the middle of the 19th century, though, the potential of steam was finally being realized once it started being applied to transportation and industry, as we mentioned. The potential of steam could only be realized, though, once the engine was improved. And this was not accomplished before the 1840s, so mid-19th century. What British engineers did, the tinkerers, was they reduced uh, their size, their energy requirements, and they smoothed their delivery of power. This technology then could be uh, used profitably around the globe. This allowed the Industrial Revolution to spread and the world to industrialize. Remember, it was only at first profitable to use the steam engine in Britain with low energy costs and high labor costs. So they said, we got to turn to technology and it's, we can just use the steam engine because we have, we have this coal for fuel and it's cheap fuel, low fuel costs. So at first it was only profitable to use the steam engine in Britain, but once these edits were made to the steam engine and these advancements, then everywhere could use it profitably because it didn't take much energy anyway and it was just more efficient. Britain, even before this spread across the world of, uh, of the steam engine, though, Britain did retain leadership in industrialization more generally, well past the middle of the 19th century. In 1840, British steam engines were generating 70% of all horsepower used in Europe. Oh, it was, this was all, this is a British phenomenon, really. 70% of all horsepower in Europe was used on not just in Britain, but steam engines in Britain. Nevertheless, though, many Western European nations soon followed suit. Uh, and by 1860, British steam-generated steam horsepower made up less than half of the European total, with France, Germany, and Belgium gaining ground rapidly. Governments and private entrepreneurs worked hard to imitate British technologies, and the revolution spread throughout Western Europe, particularly, of course, in coal-rich regions, where they can easily get this energy for the engine, such as Belgium, France, and Germany. In those areas, because they have so much coal, it's also very profitable to use these steam engines. Thus, the revolution spread across the globe, and the world, as we know it, was born. That's it, you guys. The Industrial Revolution. Uh, In-depth analysis, diverse set of topics. We're going through the revolutions. 
can't cover them all, but because we're just doing it for a month. But uh, just like we did Black History Month, we're doing a theme this month, revolutions. Um, who knows what we're going to do next. Um, if you like this episode or if you've been liking the revolution episodes, share it with someone who may also be interested in these history concepts. Um, you, cause we, we are growing our community through word of mouth. So this is, is the best way to show your support. Alternatively, almost half of you guys are listening on Apple podcasts, about 40% of you guys. So many of you also have the ability to rate the podcast. Just click the podcast on the shows page and scroll to the bottom and, and give it a rating. Uh, but whatever you do to support you guys, listening and watching is always plenty. As I say every week, uh, it really is. Thank you guys for tuning in, consistent listeners. I appreciate you guys listening every week. And you guys know it best. We'll be back next Monday, as always, for more in-depth analysis into a diverse set of topics. Take care, everybody. This podcast is a production of Insightful Thinkers Media.